Yo, what's up, everybody? We are live, Investors Drive Nation. We are on the Painless Flipping Podcast, and I got one of my heroes on here. We got RJ Bates the third. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? Excited to be here. Dude, I'm so excited to dive in on how you got your first deal and how you got to where you're at right now, closing 50 deals plus in 50 yep. states. Is that right? And you did it yes, twice. Sir. Twice, yes, twice now, 2020 and 2023. You know, RJ, I'm a pretty spiritual guy. You know, I love Jesus and I'm always about like preaching the gospel <laughs> and uh, talking to people about it. I almost feel the exact same way about what you just did with 50 deals and 50 states plus. How are we not preaching this to the whole world, bro? How does not everybody know this? You know, I, I will say we we do have kind of a cult following around it. We had people both in 2020 and 2023. So a three year gap mm -hmm. that showed up every single day. All eight hours, every single day, along with me, man. They were donating money so I could get coffee and energy drinks. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, man, there, there's a cult following around okay. it for sure. But I would love to see more people hop on there and see. Because, dude, how can you not get more actionable advice than watching someone work eight hours a day for 50 days straight? That was oh, the man. thought process behind it. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you've ever struggled being able to get on the phone with sellers, there's your opportunity to figure out how to do it. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. We'll dive more into that because I, I honestly, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because I, uh, so you know about the strategy I teach where it's like you get a deal with no marketing spend, brand new, you start with your buyers. So um, I did a challenge is one deal. It was get a deal within 30 days with no spend. Bro, you did 50 deals in 50 states and it was yeah. 50 days. Is that right? 50 days. Yep. Bro, I did what? I did one deal in 30 days. Come on, dog. <laughs> you rocked me. I but I was spending money. You weren't spending any okay. money. There's, there's a difference. But but still, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I think everybody here, it's like, hey, if you do that model where you're like, hey, let's go pay for some leads. Let's get yeah. some deals. Like you're you're the only guy in our industry that shows actually has done. That's why I respect you is uh, there's so many people out there, bro. They talk. But when's the last time you actually closed the deal? Are you right. even doing the business or are you just teaching it? Right? Exactly. Well, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the shout out for sure. Well, I love it. We're going to dive in deeper. Okay. So everybody just stay tuned because we're going to be getting into how he did 50 deals plus in 50 days twice, un, you know, unheard of. But let's let's talk about your first deal, man, because a lot of people that listen are, are people that haven't done deals yet. And I want them to know RJ, how he got his first deal and how he scaled and how he, he's to at where he's at right now. So let's talk about that first deal. Tell me. Yes. About so, you know, you and I both are educators. And, and we're passionate about helping people. And my one of the many reasons why I'm passionate about educating people is, is because my entry into learning wholesaling was $65,000 in debt to pay for education. So um, I went to one of the big box educators um, in the hotel seminar, oh. go to the back of the room. We'll, we'll call your credit card. We'll get you a credit limit up. And I basically begged my mom uh, to to put the education $65,000 on a credit card for me. And she did. And uh, essentially what we got taught was to place offers on properties that are listed on the MLS. And then when you got them under contract, you sell them on Craigslist. Like that, uh, <laughs> I mean, essentially, like if they had just said that sentence, it's pretty much what we got for the $65,000. And you would have been like, I'm good. Right, right. <laughs> like, if that's all you're going to tell me, like, all right, I appreciate it. Um, wow. Now. Can you believe people just, like, live with themselves at that type of a ticket price and giving you that info? To be honest with you, man, 
I don't know who actually like ran that, what the name of the company was, because everyone we ever dealt with was just a failed student that they converted over to a coach. Mm. So that's that's all we were dealing with was, hey, I, I, I attended this exact same thing like three months ago, and now I'm a coach. Oh, so it, it was rough, but mm. essentially what happened is, is, you know, I, I have no analysis paralysis. I immediately started taking action. I mean, while I'm in the classroom and they're saying, here's what you do. I'm on Zillow. I'm finding the properties. Hey, as is. Okay. Search as is. Got it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's gotta be cheap. All right. This house is pretty ugly. It seems pretty cheap. And I got a property under contract here in Arlington, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, for $92,000, went through um, a realtor and uh, got the, the contract accepted. The seller was a very experienced investor. And basically he was like, hey, I just don't want, he was wholetailing it. Um, I, I just, I don't want to do the work, put it listed on the MLS. I got it under contract. One of the best benefits of this first deal was my escrow officer at the title company that the seller mandated that we use basically become became my best educator because I was told that you, you don't do assignments. You have to do a double close oh. because you have to use our transactional funding company. These guys are double dipping everywhere, oh, yeah. bro. Every, everywhere you could. They also wanted us to set up an LLC and all of that. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking I have to do a double close and I have to use transactional funding she was the one that was like, no, we can still do a double close, but just a pass through of funds. I'm not going to charge you anything extra. Had so your back. She, yeah. She walked me through that. So immediately after I got under contract, I did what they taught me to do. I went and listed it on Craigslist. And within 30 minutes of that property being on Craigslist, I got a call from a, an old guy, <laughs> investor, and he's like, hey, I want to walk the property. Like, this is how he's talking to me. Hey, I want to yeah. walk the property. And I'm like, um, okay, well, let me call my realtor and I'll get it scheduled. When would you like to walk in? And he's like, no, I'm here now. I want to walk <laughs> right now. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think it works like that. I, I'm pretty sure I need to schedule. Mind you, I'm completely ignorant. I don't mm -hmm. really know. And I'm like, no, I, I think I need to, to go uh, call my realtor and get this scheduled. And he says, uh, don't worry about it. One of the back windows was unlocked. I'm crawling through right now. And I'm freaking out. Oh, gosh. He, he walks through about four or five minutes with me on the phone. He's like, all right, I'll take it. Wow. So called my realtor, said, hey, man, I'm so sorry. Someone, you know, crawled in. <laughs> you know, I'd already told him I was wholesaling it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he wrote the contract out. We did the double close. Mm -hmm. Made 7500 bucks on it. The best part of the story was from that moment until closing every single day i would call dana the escrow officer and i would say dana i'm just just letting you know i do not have ninety-two thousand dollars, so i'm gonna show up to closing and i have no money <laughs> but i'm walking out with 7500 dollars, and she's like yes rj and every single day i'd call her just to verify like i'm just making sure because <laughs> i don't want to be embarrassed like i don't want to mess this up right yeah that's so amazing and uh the day that i closed I uh, got the $7,500. I'll never forget because Cassie and I, my partner, were contractors. We were doing a roof for around $7,500 total was our like entire contract price on this house to do the roof. And I remember thinking to myself, I have to go pick up an extra bundle of shingles, drive over there, sling it in the car, sling it in the, you know, take it to the guys. And I'm going to make probably $1,200 
for doing mm-hmm. this roof, but I did nothing but just push a couple pieces of paper and I'm making $7,500 and there's nobody to pay. I'm getting to keep all $7,500. Forget contracting. I'm sold on wholesaling and we never look back. That's a, that's a, honestly, that's an incredible story, bro. That's amazing. Have you told that a lot or, uh, you know, we don't really tell that one so much because for, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a reason why. I mean, we kind of neglected the, the contracting business from that moment. That was August of 2014. Mm-hmm. And essentially we no sales, no anything. And I was still trying to figure out wholesaling. Cause you know, it got a little bit harder, yep. you know, it wasn't as simple as like, Hey, just go get a deal off the MLS. No, not at all. So it took us a couple months to get the next deal. And in that deal, when we had to put our earnest money down, pushed us to $11 in our bank account total. And that was the make or break moment where I said, trust me, Cassie, let's put, put the earnest money down. And we sold that deal. That was the moment. That was like our back is against the wall moment. The first deal was kind of like, is this real? Is this happening? That was the moment where it was like, I'm going to believe I'm going to trust in wholesaling. So yeah, it was only a two, two and a half month time difference, but that's where it really kind of, all right, we're doing this for real now. Wow. Incredible. You know, that story, the first deal you got, I feel like sometimes when it just happens, I don't want to say it was easy for you, but I feel like sometimes people like they get that first deal. They're like, oh, wow, I didn't really do much. And then they they don't get anything for like six months, a year. And they're like, then they flame out. Right. But you kept on, you stayed strong. So sometimes I, I, I worry about that deal, that first deal for a lot of people, especially when if it's like a giant one and super right. easy, people like think it's like that. And it's like, hey, brothers, <laughs> you probably got lucky on that list or cold calling. Right. And I think you also you probably don't do that strategy anymore. You're probably like, that was, I got lucky probably. Yeah. Yeah, And and listen, I I believe the same thing where, you know, you can almost handicap yourself with those first couple of deals, assuming that whatever happened is like truth. Like this is how it's always going to be. But because we were consistent with our actions, uh, we learned very quickly, like, okay, this is what wholesaling really is. And and we never kind of relaxed and said, all right, you know, we're making a lot of money now because that first year, 2015, we did about $750,000 in assignments strictly off the MLS. Amazing. So, because we didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. So, it was all MLS deals, but it took five, six days a week of constant action to get there. Amazing. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that kind of success in their first year either. So, that must have felt pretty freaking good. <laughs> oh, dude, that was life changing. We had yeah. never made anywhere close to that type of money. So, yeah, okay. absolutely. So, let's kind of talk about you're the king, the the, the king closer, right? That's yep, what they yep. call you. Is that yep. self-proclaimed or is, is that the name no, given? Is no, that it given? is not self-proclaimed. <laughs> it's hard to see, but yeah. they, these are the closers Olympics belts. They said, hey, if you win the closers Olympics, then you're the king closer. So it actually says king closer. Like, I didn't yeah. come up with that. I just keep winning the damn thing. So that's, <laughs> that's why they it. call it that. Yeah, exactly. You did not self-proclaim. You freaking got deemed the knighted sire in closer. So tell me about this. So you you had the uh, experience through um, contracting, got your first deal. Have you always been the king closer? Have you always been great at sales or is that something you had to learn through your journey? I think that there was probably a little bit of natural ability there. You know, it kind of got passed down to me in my genes. My mm. mom and my dad were both great salespeople. 
Um, I'm going to go all the way back to my mom's dad, um, one of the most charismatic characters of all time. I, I definitely get a lot of my personality from him. And uh, I think that plays a huge role in the fact that I'm super comfortable just talking to people and being mm -hmm. on the phones. But I, I have learned a lot through getting my teeth kicked in. I mean, it wasn't always like, hey, first dial, you know, I'm just getting deals. I had right. to learn a lot through through trial and error. Yeah, I agree. When I first got into this, I had a sales background. So I was like, oh, I can convince people to take a low offer. And then you right. soon find out, you know, it's not so much convincing, but it's finding the right opportunity, right? Yep. And, you know, I've done tons of sales training, like John Martinez. I did a Franklin Covey sales training. Um, you name it. Like, uh, never split the difference. I'm sure you read all those yep. and gone through that. But it's interesting to see. Yes, it does separate. Like, when you're, t you know, whoever's against you on that phone, you, they don't stand a chance, right? Yeah, I, I know you probably feel like that. Yeah, I, I will say because we're we're about to talk about the 50 50 50 mm. i did meet a guy he was out of delaware he was he was my one contract i got in delaware um he was a car salesman Ooh. and i basically just begged him at the end i was like hey man just give me one dollar off of your asking price so i could just at least tell my team i got you a little bit lower than your asking price and he was like no, it's going to be a hard pass. Like, you're just going to give me my number. And I sent him the contract. We signed it up. We still made a $10,000 assignment fee on it. But it, that guy, I will never forget him. He was my match. I, I couldn't get him to even come down $1. Bro, you got those guys that just like, they know how to play the game. They're like, sorry, man. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to move on. That's amazing. He was a master of the walk away. <laughs> The close, he closes the book and walks yeah. away. May yeah. dude, I find it difficult to walk away. That's that's something I need to work on. That's yeah. that's it's definitely a skill set. So let's let's dive right into where you're at right now because again in this podcast, I'd like to talk about where you started and now where you're at. And right now you went from, you know, when you first started 7,500 to freaking 50 deals in 50 States. Could you have ever imagined when you first started in that, that room, you know, where you're in the back running up that card or getting that first deal. Could you imagine being able to do 50 deals in 50 States? Not the first deal, but I will say April of 2015, I'll never forget it because I decided, Hey, if we can do this, in Dallas, Fort Worth, and we're not going to walk these properties. We're not seeing them in person. We can do this anywhere. So we quickly went virtual to Austin, San Antonio, Houston, the other major cities here in Texas, and we started doing deals. And, and so mind you, we had only been full-time four months mm -hmm. and we're already going to other cities. And then it was, well, let's do Phoenix. Let's do Portland. Let's do Baltimore. So we started expanding. We went virtual pretty quick. And it mm -hmm. was always like, yeah, we're going to be 50 states. We didn't really attempt all 50 states, though, until 2020, when I did the first 50 deal challenge. And that was all through SMS marketing. So Amazing. huge difference, right? So two 50-day challenges, 2020, all SMS marketing got 86 deals in 49 states in 50 days. Got my teeth kicked in though. I, I, I share the story. You go watch day one and then you go look at day 50. I looked like I ran a president, like a four-year presidential campaign. Like <laughs> I, I, I visually aged yes. during those 50 days because it was just so brutal mm -hmm. in some markets like the Colorados, the Utahs, the Californias. You know, pretty much anything on the western side of the United States, extremely brutal, especially with those outbound. Uh, well, your your state, Utah. I mean, uh, dude, just 
y'all are brutal out there. Y'all hate me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Thank God you like me, but yes, I like you. Well, th- when I found out, cause I've done deals in those West markets as well. I just feel like they're a little bit, what do you say? They're a little bit more investor minded. Like they're a little savvier or what, what do you think it is? They're just rude or what? I think for me, my avatar, my motivated seller avatar is the tired landlord. There's a lot less like cash flowing, savvy landlords in those places because y'all's property values are so high. Mm. So like in Utah, hey, I've got a $500,000 house, but it can only rent out for $2,800 a month. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cash flow. Mm, so for, but it's like, it's difficult for me to talk to my avatar because they really just don't exist in those locations. Right. Whereas like in Ohio, I could talk to that tired landlord pretty much every other phone call because it's like, yeah, I own this house. It's $50,000 and it rents out for 1200 a month. That's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. I, I could do that. I could have that conversation. So I think that's my main issue with the Western United States. Would you say those are uh, most of the people that you text and you marketed to were tired landlords? Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. I always felt like tired landlords was, that's where we got a majority of our deals when we marketed a lot. It's just yeah. finding the right opportunity. So was your marketing more of like, let me find the tired landlord, let me find the right opportunity. Or was it like convincing or trying to find a way to get people to want to sell? So in, in again, 2020, because I see Clive asked me, he says, hey, I only see you talking to people from your website. You're right, Clive. Because in 2020, I was doing all outbound. It was all SMS, right? And it was, hey, I wanted to talk to, I was pulling the list on batch leads. I was going after the tired landlords, the vacant properties, the pre-foreclosures, the tax defaults, all those, but basically centered around the ultimate filter that I used after I stacked everything was absentee owner. So I can get the landlord. Now in 2023, my main avatar is still tired landlords. It's just with inbound, not with outbound marketing. So that's where you're seeing, hey, people, I'm everyone I'm talking to has pretty much come to my website on some level because I'm doing a lot of the paper lead models through like speed to lead and lead Zolo. So Google PPC, Facebook, YouTube ads is pretty much where all of our leads are coming from. Yeah, I love lead Zolo. They're great. Let me ask you this. So do you still do a lot of the outbound or is it all inbound now? So all of our... Uh, list that we pulled on batch are still cold called daily by virtual assistants. Okay. That's the only outbound that we're doing. If you could, would you just get rid of that? If you had to pick one, would you just be like, eh, let me. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it would be strictly the inbound, the paper lead model. If I had to choose. Yeah. It's so interesting that how the market marketing has changed. Cause when I started to do text was just like, it was money, bro. Yep, money. money. Yep. But now it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of regulations making it more difficult. So the inbound model, I think that's where they're all trying to push it. That's what, you know, Facebook, Google, you know, the regulations on call, cold calls and texting, they're all trying to push it to inbound. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Which, which is nice because at the same time inbound leads, they, they come to you, right? You're not chasing them. Dude, listen, if you go listen to how different I talk to sellers now in 2023 than I did in 2020, in 2020, it was like, we had to fight tooth and nail just to find out if they wanted to sell. Now it's, I'm making sure you still need to sell because you came to my website and then it's, what is your price? 
Right. Second question out of my mouth is what is your asking price? Because they're coming to us. Right. We're not going after them. And it just puts us on such a, a better position in the conversation where I'm getting an asking price out of them early on. And then from there on, it's all about understanding their pain point, their motivation and why they need to sell. And it's easy to navigate the conversation. Yeah. So let me ask you this about the price. Cause a lot of people, they teach like, Hey, ask for that later or get them yep. to make the offer. Well, actually you do get them to put their, their offer first. So they're, yep. they're asking price. So what if, you know, houses, ARV is one, 150 and they're like, I want 120 or 130. When you immediately like, that's not a deal for a flip. Do you just hear the price no matter what they give you and just nod your head and then go into motivation? Or do you try to immediately be like, what are, you're asking too much? Like how's so in, that, that in that scenario, that's a great scenario because that is a very common yeah, spread. They, they see Zillow, right? They see Zillow right. and they're like, I'll give you a little bit of a discount right. for the agent commissions. Right. It says 150, you, no agent commissions. And I know the floor needs to be replaced. So I'm giving you a deal at 120, uh, right? Yeah. Very common conversation. So what I do there is, is I get the price immediately. So my, my spread here is I've got four monitors on my far right would be my CRM. And on my third monitor is where I have my comps. So I say, what's the price? One, 120. I'm copying and pasting that. I'm putting it into my comping system. My next question is, tell me a little bit about the property. What you got going on? Very open-ended question. That from there is going to tell me where their motivation, where their pain point is, because I didn't ask them anything specific. They're going to talk about what's the most important thing to them with, in regards to selling the property. So this is where they'll talk about the condition, financials, anything like that. If I don't get a lot from that answer that they tell me, I'll ask them, especially if I'm confused by how we got the 120, if they start saying the house needs work or something, I will flat out ask them, how did you come up with 120? Because people don't really ask these questions. Of course. So, so it differentiates me from the other conversations they're having. And so at that point in time, they just answer. Just like when I ask, hey, what's your asking price is the second question. 98% of the time I get a number. When I ask them that, they'll fully explain it to me. And so at that point in time, it's either I'm killing the deal because it doesn't work or I'm explaining why we need to dive deeper on price and, and kind of go into it where it's like, hey, well, you are motivated and the house is distressed, but 120 is not going to work out. And this is the reason why. That's where I go with kind of educating the seller a little bit on how the numbers work. I love it. So I, I've heard you talk about this and I agree fully about the marketing in the states of the West West Coast, like the West side of the United States. It works, but you just have to spend more money, right? Yeah. You make more money, but you got to spend more money. And when new investors are in those areas, they don't really understand when they hear like that you've got to cold call a certain amount of people. They just don't get it. It just requires more. Yep. So do you mess in those areas knowing that it requires more spend, more effort, or do you try to just stay where it's a little bit less? So I break it down into, I try to simplify everything because we are nationwide and we teach nationwide i tell everybody hey there's essentially three types of markets there's the extremely low income markets low price points this is going to be like your jackson mississippis your st louis missouri's your birmingham alabama's those are going to be super easy to get deals also going to be difficult to dispo okay so you really don't want to do too many deals there because that's where your termination rate can go super high. Then your bread and butter markets, right? These are going to be Midwest, Sunbelt states, places like Ohio, Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, places like that. That's where you want to do like 
70, 80% of your deals. And then you're going to have the super difficult places with your high assignments. And this is going to be your Arizonas, your Californias, your Washington states, and even up in the Northeast, New Jersey's, New York's, places like that. You always want to be marketing in all three of those, but you need to understand that it's going to take more time less volume in those super difficult markets. But yeah, you absolutely don't want to miss out on, like, dude, New Mexico could be considered a, a more difficult market for most people. Mm -hmm. But we've kind of cracked the code there. And, and you know, we're averaging, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on an assignment in New Mexico. So we don't mm -hmm. want to miss out on that just because it's a little bit more difficult to get deals there. So that's kind of what we teach is like, you need to have your bread and butter markets, but you always want to be dabbling in the other markets as well, because you never know when those markets are going to change either. Right. Market is going to shift in some of these locations and you want to be in there when it happens. So let me ask you about the 50 days, uh, 50 deals in 50 days. No one in our industry, has anyone ever challenged you on that? Be like, bro, I can, I can do that. No, never. <laughs> never. Never. So what can we do? Or what, what are you thinking? Because I know you're, you're 50 days, uh, 50 deals in 50 days. You're, you're thinking, your mind's going, you're like, okay, right. I got to get. So what are your thoughts on getting this thing out there more? Are you thinking about doing it again? Are you thinking about just, you know, making more videos? I, I got to know, what's the plan with that? The, the plan is absolutely to keep doing it uh, because I enjoy it. And also I use it as uh, a way for me to gauge what needs to change and where we need to pivot in our business. Because on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not doing acquisitions and dispositions unless I'm live. Mm. So pretty much at this point, you pretty much see every deal I ever talk to because I, I turned the camera on. So it's a good way for me to kind of dive back into the business to see where we need to pivot, where we need to change. So I think at this point, I'm going to do it more frequently. Um, as far as getting it out there, I mean, dude, I need people talking about it, right? Sharing it. You know, people love to talk about great stories. To be honest with you, Nathan, what I think the problem is, is people don't have the attention span for it. Um, it's eight hours. It's yeah. very long. So what I've done is I've kind of chopped it up, made shorter videos of specific conversations that I've had. Those do really well. The problem is, is that what you're missing out on that is, is all of the work that I do in between the good calls. Yeah. And I think that's really the, the actions taken there are what differentiate the people that succeed in this business. The one, the ones that don't succeed in this business. That's why I love sharing it. But I also think the reason why it hasn't blown up where, you know, they're getting 25, 30,000 views a video is because right. people are like, no way I'm not watching eight hours. Just like they're not willing to work eight hours a day. Nathan, let's be honest. Very true. Do you feel like people don't believe that it's true? Like, even though it's all out there, do you think they're like, I, I know he said he did it. I don't believe it. Do you feel like people don't believe it? Uh, I, I think people say that about when they see it on reels and shorts and they just see like the one minute conversations. I get that pretty frequently. I've never had anybody come on one of the lives and be like, this is bullshit. Like, yeah. I, I'm not buying this because it's too real. There's it's too lies. many no's. <laughs> There's too many no's. Like, yeah. it's not like I'm picking the phone up and it's just like, contract, contract. You know what I mean? Bro, is, that a, <laughs> too, so. is that a landline you got there, bro? <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. We got it. Uh, we've got that all hooked up in our office hey. where you text and everything. Through. So, yeah, I got the old school landline. <laughs> oh, hey, that's 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 baller status right there. Right? You got the landline. Right. That's how we know you're real. You wouldn't there be you rocking go. a landline unless you're doing deals. There bro. you go. <laughs>
love it. So, wow, I'm, I'm really impressed, man, because I've been in this space for a while and I haven't seen any uh, educator, whatever you want to call it, coach, do what you've done. Right. That's like, let me put up or shut up. Why don't you think that is? Why don't you think more people go live? Is it because they're out of that seat and they're they're just like not in the business? What, what do you think is going on? I think it's because of the the risk, risk to reward. Right. Um, the consumer marketplace doesn't demand that the educators and the influencers prove that they're actually doing it. Because that's not what the consumer is actually looking for. What they're actually looking for is is to be coached, right? Yeah. But they're not necessarily looking for it from a player, which in, in this regard, when I'm doing it, I am the player. So I, I think that's part of it. And it's just not really demanded from the marketplace. I think if more people said, hey, I would like to see you actually talk to a seller, then we would be forcing coaches and influencers to get on the phones and do it more often. But to be honest with you, with as many people that I know in this industry, and after attending Family Mastermind, I feel like I pretty much know everybody. I don't think anyone's going to do it, bro. I mean, it's the risk versus the reward. Hey, I'm a, I get on the phone, I get my teeth kicked in, that hurts the brand, it doesn't look good, it could really hurt me. There's very few of us that are willing to go live and show it. Yeah, and I, I I love it too. I love going live too because it's for me as a as I learned the most important thing for me was like, are you even doing this? Does this yeah. is even legit? So when I see you doing, it, I'm like, there's respect, but there's also like that's who I'm gonna go reach out to um, and learn from. So Absolutely. it's I think you definitely attract the the right avatar, the right people that are probably action takers as well, right? Yeah, I, I think that's the 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 case for sure. And then also it's the ones that are hungry to learn like the little tiny idiosyncrasies about talking to a seller, about pulling lists, about, you know, cold calling. Like, how do I upload my batch leads data into my batch dialer? Like, these are things that people don't really talk about a whole lot. And when they see me doing it live, that's where it's like, okay, I want to learn from that guy. That's why I love doing it because I never really have to sell myself. If they've seen me, it's like, yeah, you're the guy that does it live. So mm, I trust I love you. it. Okay. And last question I have for you is how much of your success do you feel like is from knowing the knowledge of the market, like knowing how to market when you said, I go for the tire landlords, I understand where I'm going. How much do you feel like it, it's that versus sales? Do you think it's both? What would you have to say? I'm going to, I'm going to have to say it's got to be sales. Just to be honest with you, the ability, cause it, I, I say my preferred avatar is the, the tired landlord because that's the conversation I prefer to have because it's more efficient. It's quicker. I could get that deal closed in 10 minutes. But as we can see, you know, you can go watch my videos now where there's me being empathetic with like, I just posted a video. A woman lost her husband tragically to a mass shooting. That was on the 50 day challenge. I made an offer to a brother who the, the, the seller, um, I made an offer to him and I got a call back about a week later from the brother and he was murdered. Oh and, it, it, you know, these are extremely sensitive conversations that I have to navigate where, yes, they led the contracts being signed and deals done, but very sensitive, time consuming. And to be quite frank with you, mentally exhausting on my side uh, to have that. Where, dude, the the weight of hearing someone, like I've never actually spoken to someone who lost someone in a mass shooting. To have that conversation was like tragic. Like it, it brought me to tears. Mm. And, and so for me, it's like I can have those conversations. I can still close the deal. 
but I'd much rather just talk to the guy. It's like, hey, I want to sell my vacant house for $60,000. Take it or leave it. You know, <laughs> like that's a lot easier to have. It is, yeah. So I think going to the to your point, it's sales. It's not so much the marketing side of things, but I can navigate any conversation at this point because of the, the skills that I've developed through uh, sales. Man, that's imp- uh, that's impressive because I agree with you in the sense that like when you deal with someone that lives in the house and they got to get out and they got to move and there's the heartache like oh my son died here or something right. happened those are those are definitely definitely difficult to navigate versus hey get this tenant out of here or it's vacant I don't care and right that's uh those are those are definitely a lot easier so when do you think you'll do the next uh, fifty day or next year. I, you know, I'm I'm working on it. Um, we we wanted to knock out. We have our two day boot camp uh, this week. So I think we, we got someone that's there. going right here, bro. You got this guy. Yeah. Hey. There you go. I I don't know who it is because it says Facebook yeah. user, but excited to see you. Um, yep, yep. So yeah, we've got that coming up this week. We wanted to knock that out because this this past 50 day challenge. We did a crucible right in the middle of it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I think it almost killed me and Cassie. Like, that was a mistake. Yeah. Because we went live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, did the boot camp Friday, Saturday, and then immediately rolled into going live the next week. Amazing. And it was just, it was a lot. So yeah. I think we're going to start having that conversation. So maybe towards the end of the year, rolling into 2024, I, I foresee that being the case. And I'm assuming when it's 50 deals in 50 days, that's under contract. Not all of them closed within those 50 day period, correct? Actually, great question. 125 contracts were signed. Well, let me give you this. 164 were sent in the 50 days, 125 contracts signed, and then 65% of those closed. When you remove the JV deals that I got from like, crucible students or someone on the live saying hey let's jv it or even call-ins saying hey let's jv it that our direct to seller was 70 percent closed from the 50 days so i'm really proud of that that's a high metric very high uh, especially sight unseen virtual 70 percent closed direct to seller that was that was probably the most proud metric i had from this past 50 days 70% is excellent close rate. You know, yeah. I, I think I, when I started going nationwide, when I first started, I think my close rate was like 15%, bro. <laughs> it was, Every, I didn't know. Don't you know? feel bad, Nathan. That's everybody when they first start going. <laughs> so don't feel bad about it. You're like, hey, I offered 50%. And they're like, dude, that deal is in Peoria, Illinois. And nobody's buying that for at least only 20%, bro. Hey, I love Peoria, Peoria Illinois. Don't, oh, the, all right. but, but you're right. You got to buy deep there. Yeah, buy real deep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, RJ, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, staying with me. And I know we've had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of engagement. People are loving it out here. So RJ, where can people go to learn more about your process and how to, you know, do deals the way you do it? Man, YouTube. I mean, YouTube channel, go, go subscribe on there. RJ Bates, the third, all these 50 days are on there. Um, and, And I've chopped them up. You go down to the playlist. It's uh, live call playlist and you can see them they've chopped up some of them are as short as eight minutes some of them are as long as two hours for one conversation with a seller so just a blend of different types of conversations uh, i'd say go start there and if you're really vibing with what you're seeing then uh hey connect with us you know send me a dm on instagram or something like that let's see how we can work together amazing all right everybody you heard it here first rj bates go work with him he's going to show you how to close more deals he's the king closer all right everybody peace out have a good one everybody